Well, it's good to see you this morning. I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles, if you will, over to Second Peter. Second Peter chapter 1. <clears throat> Come with me, if you will, down here to verse 19. As Peter writes uh, to the church, but primarily the church uh, of Jewish persuasion, as he was an apostle to the Jews, uh, and he seeks to encourage here in this letter to uh, help the Jewish church, help help Christians who uh, ethnically and have religiously been Jews, and so they have a ready recollection of Jewish scripture and and. He encourages them to stay true to the gospel. And here's something really important he says, which ties together Old Testament and New Testament for us, or it should. He said, and we have the word of the prophets made more certain. And you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. He says, above all else, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture, that's the teaching of Scripture, it's not a foretelling of the future, it's the teaching of, no prophecy of Scripture ever came about by the prophet's own interpretation. You're not reading what Isaiah wanted you to read. You're not reading what Isaiah thought. You're reading what Isaiah received from God when you're reading him as, as an illustration there. It never came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. I just read those two verses to us to underline the fact that as we're reading scriptures, brothers and sisters, we're not reading John's opinion about anything. You're not reading Paul's opinion about anything. You're reading, you're reading Divinely inspired word from God. <clears throat> so, having said that, uh, in other words, the Holy Spirit's really the author of the Bible and the word of the New Testament we have that makes more certain and explains the word God gave to the prophets long ago. Let me ask you something. What if... What if you could have what if you could have what Jesus had? What if you could be like him? What if you could what if you could say and do things that brought glory to God? What if, what if your, your very presence turned to be an encouragement for people? Well, what if, what if you could be like him and help people and reach their deepest need? What if you could, what if you could get people Away from what they're distracted by. 
and get them to bear down in their thoughts, get them to get a hold of in their thoughts, and get them to focus on and live out of what's truly, truly important. What if you could bring salvation to those you love? To those that, as Mo said, you perceive to be your enemies, or that are opposed to you. What was Jesus doing on a cross? Father, forgive them. He's talking about the people who've set themselves up in this circumstance to be, as it were, his enemies. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. What if you could just have that attitude? I don't know if any of us are ever going to be tortured to death for the sake of the gospel. But what if you were in enduring pain inflicted by others? And that was your attitude. Would you even want that? What would you give for that? What would you give to be like him? What would you give up to be like him? What would, what would, what would it be worth to you to escape the corruption, the Evil, wickedness, greed, and depravity, the inver murder, strife, and malice that permeates our world. What if you could escape that? Would it be worth it? It'd be a powerful thing, wouldn't it? Hmm. All this talk we've had in talking about Jesus and, and trying to get these sermons online. I gotta go back through them and, and edit them and I'm listening to them again. We talked about Jesus a lot since I've been here. Why don't, why don't I just skip all that and get on to Bill? I'm just skip all the Jesus stuff and get on to what Alan needs to do or stop doing. That's not that important. And what them or I, either one, I just picked on them because they know I love them. But what they need to stop doing or start doing is not near important as who Jesus is. And as soon as we're able to open scripture and quit looking for ourselves and quit pointing other people out, that's a real good, we're in a real good spot to start seeing him and begin to know him. And I don't care how long you've been a Christian, that is today's task. Today's task, the task of this worship service is to remember him. Mo's exactly right. That's that's the chore before the Lord's Supper, before our communion with God. 
We examine ourselves, but we don't remember ourselves and focus on ourselves. We examine ourselves. We're remembering him. We're thinking about him. Why? Because he is our potential. He is our salvation. He is our savior. He is our covenant with God. He is exactly who you need him to be. And the more you dig into that, the more you study that, and you do have to study it. You do too. This is not an osmosis deal. You're going to have to study this. And Solomon said, much study. There are many of of writing of books. There is no end and much study wearies the body. And he knew a thing or two. And this will wear us out. This, this studying and perceiving and worship and pray and sing and study and think and, and deal with. Here's what we know for sure. Chapter three, uh, chapter one, verses three and four in first Peter. His divine power, that's the Holy Spirit, because that's why we read 19 to 22 men ago. His divine power has given us everything we need. You know, it's been several months in the Gospel of John. Number one, it's simple. Number two, you know what's in there? Everything we need. We're about to spend the next few months delving into the book of Romans. We've already started. You know what's in there? Everything we need. I don't need to understand terms like justification and righteousness. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We do too. Because of what's at stake. Because of what's at stake. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Would you like to have eternal life and live in godliness? Does that appeal to anybody? Yeah. Everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him. Not our rebuking of ourselves through our knowledge of him. Through our knowledge of him who called us. 2 Thessalonians 2.14. That is the call of the gospel. The call out of sin and into him. The call, the call that defeats ourself and gets rid of ourself and, and comes to him. The call that changes our lives, that changes our standing, that changes our mind, that changes our our hearts, that transforms our lives. Everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him. Him who called us. He called us by the gospel. He called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, through his call, through the gospel, through his own glory and goodness, he has given us. What we need. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises. He promised to die and he did. He promised to go into heaven and he did. He promised to reign and rule and he does. He promised to intercede for us and he is. So that through his very great and precious promises, we might participate. In the divine nature. We might be like him. Through the call of the gospel. Through the knowledge that we have of the call of the gospel. Through the promises of God. Your promises are not any good because you break them. And you might die. 
And he lives by the power of an indestructible life. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. He cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. God couldn't break a promise to you if he wanted to and he doesn't want to. He's not going to. He is He is the faithful and the true one. That's who he is. Why would we want to trust in ourselves? When we obviously don't know everything, when we don't do everything right, when we fail to do and go against what's right on a regular basis, why would we trust in ourselves? What are we trying to do? Get frustrated and give up? That's a, that's a fast track to doing that. But if you want to avoid frustration, if you want to avoid condemnation, if you, if you want to conquer, if you want to participate, if you want to escape, and brothers and sisters, he tells us very plain, plainly and very clearly there is a call to do that. And it is the call of the gospel. To be saved, to be washed, to be clean, to be transformed, to be empowered, to be directed. To be used and to participate in God's, God's glorifying of himself. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen. To be a part of that, to understand why we're a part of that, and how God has called us that, and to be and to be understanding that God is using us in that regard, that is an empowering, transforming thought and life. And when we fail and when we get sidetracked and, and when we rebel and we're capable of all those things on any given Tuesday, and when we do those things, there's... We don't come to ourselves to beat ourselves up. We come back to Him. We remember Him. Why on earth do you think He told us every first day of the week that our example in the Scripture is to get together and remember Him? Because when we remember Him, when we, we have hope, when we remember Him, we are empowered and we are directed. When we remember Him, we are encouraged. When we remember Him, we remember why we put our faith in Him to start with and why our faith is going to continue to be in Him. It's not something else. It's that right there. We participate, we be like Jesus, and we escape the corruption in the world through our knowledge of Him. We cannot go forward into this next year. We cannot go forward into this day without knowledge of Him, remembering Him, drawing close to Him, and letting him in our minds be exactly who he is. It's a powerful adventure, brothers and sisters. Jesus didn't die on a cross so we could put on good clothes and sit together in a building and try harder to do good things. No, he didn't. He died on the cross to purchase the right for God to own us. He died on the cross to cleanse us of our sins, not see if we could do it. He died on the cross to invite us and to call us to be like him. And to escape. The corruption that is in this world through evil lust, through selfish desires, through sin. And that's available right now to me and to you. 
I've been in a dedicated pursuit of that for over 30 years. And that's still my call today. That's still my call today. Come to God through Jesus Christ. Trust who he is. Believe what he said. Give myself to understanding what he is offering me. That never ends. It never quits. And every time we search and every time we find and every time we remember, our hearts are won a little bit more. Our minds are convicted a little bit more. Our lives are directed and fortified a little bit more. Let's pray. Almighty God and Father in heaven, we come before you, Father, and we praise you for being the one who is faithful and true, for being the one who keeps his promises, for being the one who has overcome sin and overcome death, overcome the grave. And it's proven it, Father. Proving it, proven it by raising your son from the dead to immortality. You have seated him, Father, squarely on the throne of the entire universe. And his precious and powerful call to us in the gospel, the message that explains and outlines and underlines all those truths to us, Father, it is powerful, powerful to call us out of sin, powerful to wash us clean in his blood, powerful, Father, to sustain us in this life, that we're transformed a little more every day, that we escape. Father, again today, all the temptations that are laid before us. There's a story behind every person in this auditorium, Father. I don't know what it is, but you do. And you have paid the price, Father. You have paid the price to write out the story of our lives. To write on our hearts, Father, a letter to the world. You had your servant Paul inspired him, Father, to write Corinth and tell them God wrote a letter to the world, church, and you were it. And I'm praying, Father, that we understand your goodness, your kindness, your tolerance and your patience. I'm praying, Father, that you fasten those things in our mind. That you help us understand your invitation into your righteousness. So that the message of Jesus Christ might be for us, Father, wisdom and power. Please, Father, help us as we struggle now to get a hold of it. Help me as I struggle to teach it and preach it. Help help people, Father, as they struggle. I know I'm hard to listen to sometimes, Father. Help us to hear your message. Help us to hear the word that brings peace. Help us to hear your powerful gospel 
the revelation, Father, of your righteousness promised to us in your Son. And help us to get a hold of that on a level we, we can just, we can lean on it, we can live it, we can, we can be empowered and transformed by it so that we can articulate it, Father, to other people in terms they can understand. So that we are able to share and demonstrate the love and the faithfulness, the gentleness and the compassion of our God. I know we'll never do that, Father, to the extent that Jesus did it, but your invitation is too for us to do it in the same manner as he did, and we will. We thank you, Father, for guiding us in this, for blessing us, for loving us, for listening to us, and for answering our prayer, Father, according to your will, because that's the very thing we've always wanted. Your will be done. Bless us in this endeavor, Father, in any way and every little way that brings you glory for the promise-keeping God that you are. It's through Jesus who bled for us, died for us, and reigns in heaven on our behalf right now that we pray these things. Amen. The invitation of the gospel of Jesus Christ is extended to you. Do you need his blood? Do you need his righteousness? Do you need his help? Do you want? Do you want his power at work in your life? If there's any way we can encourage you or help you get in on that, won't you let us know now while we stand and while we sing number 29?